So we're coming to the end of Acts. Sometimes I hate to leave a book. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. That's what I want us to hang our closing thoughts on in our studies in Acts, but just to remind us that this is true, and, and that is a great word, a great verse. That's Isaiah 40, verse 8, by the way. Um, to get rooted into our hearts and our minds because it impacts, it should change my living because it's true. God's eternal, so his character never changes, <laughs> unlike me. We're chameleons, happy and then sad, kind and then angry. Oh, but God's the same. He's holy, he's righteous, he's just, he's infinite, he's perfect. You know, God doesn't need to have anything added to him. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't happen. He has no flaws. He's perfect, he's God. And since that truth, that means his word is trustworthy and never changes, and what he says he will do. What he plans to accomplish will happen. And we can believe that and trust it. Have you ever pondered, <laughs> well, do it now, pondered how many times in the scriptures the Lord says, thus says the Lord, and then it happens just as he says. I mean, the, the illustrations from the scriptures are, are almost countless. <laughs> The forbidden fruit in Eden. Let's just go back to the beginning. <laughs> if you eat of that fruit, the forbidden fruit, what's going to happen? You're surely going to die. It's come true, hasn't it? Wow. Something so simple. Christ's birth was predicted in Bethlehem and it was fulfilled. That's just one illustration of many. Christ's death was perfectly described by Isaiah hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born or came to earth as God and man, and it was all fulfilled. Jesus' resurrection, he said, I'm going to suffer and die, and then three days later, I'm going to be raised again. And remember when the women went to the tomb? What happened? The angel said, don't you remember what Jesus said? <laughs> it happened. His word is trustworthy. Do you consider yourself to be a follower of Christ? As followers of Jesus, we are connected to an incredible history, an amazing group of people who through faith, through history, people who were once enemies of God, didn't know God, didn't care about God through their selfish and evil rebellion. People like that, people like us, but by God's grace and mercy through believing in God's word concerning Christ, they became God's people. People before Jesus came believed God's word about Christ, that God would send a redeemer, and they believed that word, and God saw their faith, and they were made righteous. Now we know Jesus died for our sins and was raised to life, and we look back at the cross and we say, that's how you get saved. We believe that and we're changed. He paid the debt for our sins. But the word of the Lord will stand forever. That's what Isaiah is telling us. So today, as we wrap up Acts, okay, I got a few minutes left. <laughs> Verse 14, we're going to hang our thoughts on three verses. Verse 14, and so we came to Rome 
just thinking how God's word was fulfilled in the individual life of Paul and how that applies to us. And so we came to Rome. The second one is verse 25. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers, and then the verse goes on. So God's word is always right. It talks about the world and who will believe and who won't. The sovereign Lord's word works itself out, as he says. And then finally, verse 31, the end of the chapter, verse 28, the last verse, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. God's promise that the gospel, the word of God, will spread through the whole world, just as the Lord said. We have a part right now telling about God's unshakable gospel and about his unshakable kingdom. So let's get into it. But before we start, I think I need to do this. Uh, I'm going to mention her later, but maybe you happen to see that little interaction that was happening up here with Catalina. Let's just pray for her. She knows Christ. She's only been here for a few months. She's only been in this congregation, but because of the love of God's people, she's now a believer. And she's going back home to Columbia because of bad situations here as a, as a nanny, as an au pair. But wow, isn't that amazing? God is working. The gospel is changing lives. Right where we are. Lord, we ask you to bless Catalina. Surround her with believers. Thank you for the connections we have with people there in Colombia that she's going, they're going to lead her to a good church. Now her mother wants to go to church with her because of the change in her life, because of your word at work through your people, your powerful word that you declare, Lord God, you are God, you are Savior, and we worship and we praise you. Watch over her life. Lord, encourage us today as we consider that your word will happen just as you say. In Christ's name we pray, amen. God's sovereign plan for his gospel and his people. The first 16 verses, and Phil read the first 10. It's just an incredible story. Look at verse one of chapter 28. After we were brought through safely, or safely through. Luke just reminds us, remember, they were on a ship and the ship was going to wreck. God said it's going to happen and, and he told Paul, everyone's going to be safe. And it's what happened for Paul and his companions. Their lives were protected. The whole ship was protected. That was God's plan. God is graciously watching over Paul and his companions, Luke and Aristarchus, and he is watching over us as well. Just as the Lord said. Isn't it interesting, that snake? <laughs> That's a weird story, isn't it? But God was watching over Paul, just like he said. <laughs> Another instance of God working out his will. And I love what the native people there are not on Malta. They, they, you know, they looked at Paul and they said he got bit by a snake. Well, he must be a murderer. Well, they didn't know it, but they were right. Paul was a murderer, right? 
He wanted Stephen killed. He was happy to see Stephen, the first martyr in the book of Acts, killed by stoning. So he was a murderer. <laughs> but he was a murderer who was transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. He became a Christian just the way everybody becomes a Christian. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, I, I mean, familiar verses to many of us, but just a reminder. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So Paul didn't become a Christian because he was born a Christian or because he was born Jewish or because of his parents' will, but because of God's will. Whoever believes that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God and Savior becomes a child of God. They receive forgiveness. And God the Spirit comes and lives in them and, and begins to work in them and does this great process of transforming them into holier people, people who are more Christ-like. So Paul became a believer like you and I have to become a believer. And then in verse 10, Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers, for we are his workmanship, that is Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And that's exactly what was happening in Paul's life. He was doing the good work that God had appointed him to, just as the Lord said. Paul was a prisoner but he goes about the island healing and working just as usual, doing what God called him to do and to be, just like he does that for us. Paul desired to go to Rome. So here now we see Paul standing in verse 14. I love this verse. But now, oh, wrong place. I'm in Ephesians. <laughs> Chapter 28 of Acts, verse 14. There we found brothers who were invited to stay with him for seven days, and so we came to Rome. Just like the Lord said. His word working out in this individual's life, this individual believer's life with his friends, but God's word happened just as he said. Believers, it says in verses 15 and 16, they came out to meet Paul. They came from far away, 43 miles, 33 miles from these different towns. And by the way, remember, they didn't have cars. So they probably walked it or they rode in the back of a cart. And, you know, they, they, they had paved roads, but they were with cobblestones. So, you know, that was, and they didn't have shock absorbers. Okay, just all those things. So just remember, this wasn't easy, but here they came. And I love how Paul responds to them. Look at, look at verse 15. And the brothers were there and they heard about us. So they came as far as the form of Appius and three taverns to meet us. And on seeing them, here it is, Paul thanked God and took courage. Paul Thank God. You can just imagine, he had expressed years before to the Ephesian elders, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and then I'm going to go to Rome. That's my desire. And that dream was coming true. And he thanked 
God as he stood there and saw how God had gotten him there. He never imagined, I don't think, that he was going to have to go on trial and have to appeal to Caesar and go on a boat and have a shipwreck and get bitten by a snake. All the plans in Jerusalem, you know, Paul, take a vow, you know, pay these other men's vows and go into the temples to show everybody in Jerusalem that you're a Jew who's just a follower of Christ, that you're not against the Jewish law and against Moses. Well, that plan didn't work out very well because he got arrested. He almost got killed. There are assassination plots and all these things taking place, bitten by a snake. Did I say that already? Doesn't matter. God was doing what he said he would do. And not only that, Paul thanked God as he thought about his plan and he took courage. Because you know what it's like to be new. And you don't know what's ahead. And other people your friends, believers, come alongside and walk with you through your difficult situations. How encouraging that is. Paul knew the Lord was with him, but like you and me, others are a gift of God that we need. So, today, think about how God has led you and give him thanks all this week. The people that he's brought into your life to help you along the way, thank God for how he's fulfilling his work and his word and his plans for you in your life. Be ready this week. Ask God to open your physical eyes and your soul's eyes to see the needs of people and to meet those needs so you can help them navigate life. Be ready this week to support someone. Be ready to receive the support maybe you need this week. So courage fills your heart and you fill somebody else's heart with courage because they see that the Lord is taking care of them just as he promised. Let's do that. There's one other nugget of truth here I want us to look at, and then I need to move on. <laughs> do you ever get journey envy? <laughs> what do I mean? How come some people's lives just seem to be pretty smooth? And you look at them and say, wow, never works out that way for me. You've never thought that. You remember Peter in John chapter 21? Jesus is telling Peter, you know, asking him the questions three times, do you love me? Oh, hello. And <laughs> you, you don't hear that, do you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Jesus said, Peter, there's going to be a time, and basically Peter, uh, Jesus was saying to Peter, you're going to die for me, Peter. But in the meantime, feed my sheep. And Peter turned around and looked at John. Well, what about John? How come you're not saying that about him? And, and Jesus just said, Peter, don't worry about John's journey. You just feed my sheep. I'll take care of you. Just feed my sheep. Wow. You know, I've never received that I know of any specific words from the Lord about what's ahead of my journey for following Jesus. How about you? You know, Leslie and I didn't get, and so we came to Havertown because the God said we were going to come to Havertown. That, ne that never happened in my life. But here was what we can take. God is always taking care of his people. 
And I don't know what your journey is to heaven, but we're all going to the same place. And our journeys are going to be different along the way. So Stephen's journey was different. James's journey was different because Stephen got stoned after giving testimony. And James was put to the death by the sword. And, and Peter wasn't when he was in prison. He got to escape. And Philip's story is different. And Tabitha's story is different. And, and Luke's story is different. And Timothy's story is different. But what is the same? That all of them and you and me are safe and secure in God's plans for our lives. And he will never leave you or abandon you until your time in this life is done. And then guess what? You're in his presence forever. So we have nothing to fear in our journey. So there's no need to have journey envy, but just to ask God to help us be faithful as we walk through it. In light of God's unfailing word, we can move on. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Jesus' plans for those who believe in him will not fail. And we see how it unfolds in Paul's life, and I believe God wants us to see that Paul and his people will be taken care of as they're serving him and, and following him and taking the gospel out as they've been called to do. Just remember Psalm 139. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That is the God that is leading you and guiding you if you are trusting in him today. You can trust that word and live differently because it's true. Your journey is not going to match my journey. My journey is not going to be like yours. Our journey is not going to be the Apostle Paul's. It doesn't matter. God is walking with his people and taking care of us as we look to him, as we trust in him, as we do what he's called us to do. That we can be assured of, that the gospel is working and we can serve our God with it. Secondly, the second verse we want to look at today is, is verse 25. I just pull your attention there. And disagreeing among themselves, that is these Jewish uh, leaders that came to meet Paul in Rome, they departed after Paul had made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal him, heal them. Kind of a harsh word. What's interesting, when Paul goes to Rome, there's like been this huge building climax. It's like, you're going to go to Rome, Paul. God told him that. The Lord said that several times. You're going to stand before Caesar on trial and declare the gospel. And Paul had this longing to meet these Christian believers. You can read about it in Romans chapter 15. He was longing to get there, to meet these people, to encourage them, and then move on to the West, to Spain and beyond with the gospel. That was his plan. But now Luke doesn't even mention the Christians. I mean, he mentioned that they met and Paul was encouraged, but there's no more mention of them ever again in the book of Acts. He just goes to the Jews. So Paul continues his ministry style like he did all through the book of Acts. To the Jews first, 
and then to the Gentiles. And he gives his, he gives his defense in verses 17 through uh, 24. He gives his defense about uh, that he was innocent, that he was a Jew of Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was just believing in the resurrection, God's promise. And he even said the Roman justice system says, I'm innocent. And then these people wanted to hear what he had to say about the Christian faith as the way, the followers of Christ. So Paul meets with them in verses 23 through 24. He spent a whole day with all these key leaders, Jewish leaders in the, in the city of Rome. In verse 23 it says, And when they, when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in great numbers. Remember, Paul's under arrest, so they had to come to him. And from morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. A divided company. And then Paul quotes from Isaiah, chapter 6. God's word to Isaiah came in a great vision. You might want to look back at that in Isaiah chapter 6 because you might remember Isaiah had this incredible vision of the temple. And he felt unholy and God cleansed him with a hot coal from the altar in this vision, just a symbol of him being forgiven and redeemed and, and transformed by God's goodness and his grace and his forgiveness because he believed in this God. And then, then God asked a big question. So who will I send and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, I'll go. And then God said, and you're going to go and you're going to preach my word and no one's going to listen. So a few did, but not very many. And Paul, the apostle, had a vision. And he saw Jesus and he believed. And God said, I'm going to send you to the Gentiles. But your own people, not very many, are going to listen. You can read about it in Romans chapter 4. Listen to what Paul says in chapter 10. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, that is the Jewish people, is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they, do, they did not submit to God's righteousness, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I mean, Paul is just passionate about taking the gospel to his own people, the people who have the very word of God, the truth of God, the gospel of God about Christ and in Moses and in the prophets in the Old Testament, and yet they don't see it. But look at verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, and it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses 
and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. We have the same commission to go and to proclaim the good news of Christ. And many are going to believe, and many are not. So is it a waste of time to speak God's word, to live God's word? Never. Never, ever. Just remember Isaiah the next time you hit a brick wall when you're trying to live for Christ and share the gospel and have an influence. God is working. I wanted to highlight Catalina because it's like sometimes we forget about that. This week, right here, the gospel was shared with someone much older than young Catalina. And eternal life was received. Right here. Be encouraged by that. That's why I'm telling you that. God's word can be trusted. It's going to come true. Remember what Jesus showed John in Revelation chapter 7? After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, meaning they're righteous because of faith, with palm branches, meaning they're praising God and waving them, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Wow. Capture that vision and believe that God will work. Little fruit, a lot of fruit, his word will not fail. We see it in Paul's life, how it unfolded, how the Lord was doing, just as he said that his plans for Paul, his plans for you and me are unfolding. Trust them, believe them, and move forward in gospel preaching and being a follower of Christ and demonstrating his gospel in life and in word. Just as the Lord said, When we tell about our hope in Christ, many will not believe, but others will find life. It happened here among us. It's happening all over Havertown. Believe me, it's happening all over the world. And we have a part in it. God's word never withers or fades. It stands true forever. So we go in the strength of our God because he's with us. We go because that's his plans for us, to be disciple makers. We go in Christ's authority because he's given us that authority, because he's the risen Lord. He's Lord of the universe, so we listen to him first. Worry about others second. His gospel will not fail. God will be glorified. And then thirdly, our last verse. Look at chapter 28, verse 31. Well, let's read verse 32. He lived there for two whole years at his own expense, that is Paul, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And that's the end of Acts. (laughs) What a weird way to end the book. 
I mean, there's all kinds of discussion. It seems a little anticlimactic. I mean, where's the great dynamic, uh, you know, trial before Caesar? It, we, we never get to hear about it. We don't even know if Paul ever got released. I mean, there's discussion. Did he get released and get to go to Spain and then get arrested by Nero and, and put to death by, by that, by him? Uh, we don't really know for sure. I mean, there's all kinds of discussion. But why did Luke end his story this way? It's almost like volume three. He never got to write. But remember his purposes. In chapter one, verses one and two, he said, Theophilus, I'm writing you all that Jesus began to do. That's the gospel. And Acts is about all that Jesus continued to do through his church, through his people, through his disciples. Chapter 1, verse 8, is being fulfilled. And you will be my witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And Rome was like the picture, just a symbol of the ends of the earth. I mean, it was the center of the world. Kind of like New York City used to be. And when you got to Rome, it's like, wow, the gospel's spreading. In 30 years' time, look at where it's come from a little group of people in Jerusalem. It's now in Jerusalem, and it's influencing the very courts of the emperor with the gospel because of God getting Paul there and his people there, believers there, scattered everywhere. We may say Paul's the hero of the faith, and I'm not going to argue that point. But G. Campbell Morgan points out, along with other scholars, that the true hero in Acts is what? Is God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's the hero. Paul is in prison, but the gospel is not. The gospel is being boldly proclaimed by Paul, and it's unhindered. And there's other believers out there in the Roman Empire preaching the word of God. It was happening then. It's happened through 20 centuries, and now we're in the 21st century, and we are a part of that story. And it's still happening. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Isaiah chapter 40 so what do we do with that truth? Listen to what Isaiah writes next in verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 40. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So what do we do? Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not and cry to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Shout it out, don't be quiet, don't bury it. What are we to do? Paul was in chains. His circumstances were bad. His circumstances were kind of saying, oh, you're a prisoner, I guess God's done with you. That's not true. Do you feel like your circumstances, your personality, 
your life situation, your bad choices in the past, your bad choice yesterday, can stop God's word from moving forward if you turn to him, repent, believe, follow, trust, obey. His word will not fail. We're not imprisoned. Ask God to begin to open up our eyes for the opportunities that are coming to us, that are right in front of us. Did you know, <laughs> right here in our town, through the witness of disciples of Jesus, you know people are hearing the gospel and believing it. I just, I already mentioned them. And it's not just happening in our congregation, but multiple Christ-believing congregations. God the Spirit is working. And I tell us this so we're not discouraged, but filled with courage. I tell us this not so we can pat ourselves on the back and feel good about ourselves, but so that we pray fervently for one another, so that we persevere in being faithful to Christ and becoming more like him, growing in our faith to be more Christ-like because it's a work of God that's doing that. So we, but we need to help. We have a part in that in helping one another do it. So we give thanks and praise to God. That's why I say these things. Hey, there's a community concert here Saturday. We're inviting the community here and the intent of that concert is not to entertain people. But we hope they are entertained. But to be nudged, to think about, to be stirred in their thoughts about Christ's coming and why he came and why they need to believe in him. And we have ESL classes, and it's not just to help people, although it does help them learn English as their second language, to help them make it here as they've come here to find work and a better life, but to bring them to faith. It, it's happening in youth group. It's happening in children's ministry. It's happening in men's ministry. It's happening in women's Bible studies. The message of Acts is that Jesus' gospel is going to spread. And that's why Paul said in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation. What are we to do? Wherever we are, we make disciples. Wherever we go, we call in the authority of Christ. Wherever we go, we share the gospel of Christ through our living, through our words, through the telling of God's word, because it stands forever. So how are you going to live differently today? Because the Lord's word stands. Because the Lord's word is trustworthy. Because it brings salvation. It brings new life. How are you going to pray differently for your friends sitting next to you in the pew when they go to their frontline place and they have to live for Christ and there's pressure not to speak about him or pressure to compromise what we know is right? How are we going to help one another? Well, that's why we have life groups or small groups. That's why we meet together for Bible study. That's why we need to do those things. We need to pray for this concert. We need to come. We need to support it. We need to at least pray for it. We need to invite friends to it. Well, I make an effort to fill my mind and heart with God's word because it doesn't change. It's always true. Well, we pray for opportunities to live boldly, to speak his word, to show his word as trustworthy and true. When God gives us a history, he's making a comment. Can I give you a challenge? 
We just did this long series through Acts. We started back in the uh, fall of, uh, when was that? 2020? Yeah. So you forgot everything we said early on. It doesn't matter. I don't remember what I said, so why should you? Reread Acts this week. Five or six chapters at a sitting. You can knock it off in five, six days if you do that. It's only 28 chapters. And just ask God to show you and remind you how powerful his word is, how it's being fulfilled. Ask him to show you where there are doors opening up, even if you feel like you're in chains. The gospel is not chained. Let's pray. Lord, what is it you want us to get a hold of so we don't feel confined, but we feel empowered and strong to show off your glory, to tell your good news, to win people to Christ by our winsomeness and our grace and our kindness, by our prayers. Oh, Lord, awaken our hearts to trust your word, to obey it boldly. Lord, your word stands forever, so make that fresh, make it powerful in my life, in our lives, together this year, this century. Right now, Lord, it's as powerful now as it was when Paul was preaching it. It's always the same. Lord Jesus, be glorified. Preach your word through your people as we love you and follow you. We ask this for your honor and glory. Amen.